What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames. Got a few things to chat about with you guys today, including in entertainment, the coronavirus, how it's affecting the entertainment industry, how a few shows are being shut down, and movies. In sports, Tim Duncan decides to go from player to interim head coach of San Antonio. And in video game news, what 1990s old uh, little mini game is being included? I'll tell you more about that. Plus, of course, we have our guest, Dag Ferrick. He was uh, the child star, the one, uh, the the one that portrayed young Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween, and he was also the little bully in uh, Hitchcock. We'll be talking with him a little bit about his experiences. But first, before we get into all that, here is Amanda Holly's Fiendin' right here on the Xander Effect. Give me what 
That was Amanda Holly's Fenin right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, the coronavirus is causing havoc not just physically, but uh, financially right now all over the world. And it's hitting hard in different facets, including the entertainment industry that has had to halt a couple of its productions. For example, they, uh, the, the movie's cast of the, of the Bond movie, they had to postpone uh, their, their tour of Japan and South Korea and, uh, you know, to promote the movie. The Italian releases of Mulan and The Grudge and Onward have also been delayed as well because the virus has has really spread in Italy. Um, there's been there's been uh, venues venues chains theaters sports venues etc. They've all been pretty much shut down for the most part. Uh, and this is this is affecting people in so many different ways. I mean, you have. Movie productions, for example, the the mission, the new Mission Impossible movie, uh, the seventh installment has been delayed because um, because of what's going on. And there's also another an action thriller called Red Notice, starring uh, Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds, that was supposed to shoot in Italy. That's also been delayed. So so many so many uh, so many upcoming really cool by the sounds of it really cool movies have all been uh, delayed due to uh, the coronavirus. And this is this is affecting so many people in so many different ways. I mean, right now celebrities are. I mean, the the private jet industry is really booming because. Celebrities are taking private jets and and uh, requesting to charter private jets in order to go to different engagements in different areas of the world. Um, so yeah, man, th- this is this is getting insane. They they this is really really crazy. I mean. This uh, virus is really hitting hard. Uh, so many people. There's already been six new cases here in the Los Angeles County alone, and uh, yeah, man, this is this is uh, this virus is getting out of control. So many places have been shut down uh, around the world. Exam- another example is Disneyland in Japan has also closed its stores uh, for the time being, temporarily, while uh, while. You know, other spots in China, other tourist attractions in China have also been shut down. Everything's being shut down. Like, everything's being postponed. Everything's being delayed. This could affect a lot of new releases. This could affect a lot of production. And so it's tough. I mean, so far, uh, the Bond movie has been delayed now until November. The release of the Bond movie has been delayed till November, so that's going to be that's that's going to be a bummer for a lot of Bond fans. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, they start getting a handle on on this outbreak that has has really put a stop on a lot of things, um, and also has killed uh, many people around the world. So hopefully, you know, hopefully, uh, medical officials they'll start putting the you know putting a stop to the outbreak to. Um, to the spread of this virus, uh, according to some news sources, it seems like China the the outbreak has kind of uh, lessened a little bit in China. So it seems like they're starting to get a handle on on it going anywhere else. But unfortunately, it already like spread around the world. So now the rest of the world has to go ahead and start making certain arrangements as well. You know, including including shutting down a couple of uh, productions for these new movies for the safeguard of their talent and many others. 
In other entertainment news, Britney Spears' son, Jaden, uh, went on a, kind of a little bit of a, well, not I wouldn't actually necessarily say it was a tirade, but it was along the lines of him venting uh, to, in so, on social media. And uh, he went on, uh, according to, uh, according to uh, audio, uh, and, uh, actually according to a video that was, uh, that was posted on TMZ, uh, it seems that he, he had a lot of... Uh, Bad things to say about his his uh, grandfather, um, and uh, you know his grandfather Jamie Spears, and uh, you know he just doesn't like him. He hates. It sounds to me like he he really hates the guy, um, saying that he's just a bad person. A couple of other uh, you know things that he said. He also he also mentioned that his mother you know was thinking about quitting singing altogether. Uh, saying that she she was pretty much going to be done with it, and you know he's against it. He's like, dude, you know he's pretty much saying, "Mom, you make bank at this," you know. I mean, that could have been just uh, that could have been you know that that could have been taken out of context. Who knows what she said to him? You know, he's just a kid. He's he's you know he's a he's just a, he's just a he's just a teenager venting, and uh, by the sounds of it, it just seems like it's something that that she was just saying, you know, just to vent. But it's highly unlikely that she might quit. But then again, you know, she's also at the point in her life where. You know, it, it, she could take another break or she could be, you know, she could get another, take another hiatus for a little bit. It would be good for her and for her family because it seems to me that her son, you know, is is looking for attention, requiring attention, so to speak. That's why it seems like he went on this kind of a tirade. So, it, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to what she's thinking he definitely loves his dad you know pretty much called him jesus uh kevin federline so uh, you know he definitely loves kevin uh call it says that he's a great dad he loves his dad so that's always a good thing to hear you know because we all think that kevin's this you know this douchey guy you know but you know sometimes people aren't exactly what you see what they seem uh, you know for for all we know kevin's probably the nicest guy in the world and the media has just made him out to seem like you know like a douche but he really isn't so who knows but yeah i mean it just see it seems to me that uh that uh jaden definitely had a lot to say had a lot on his mind uh he was also pretty much telling uh his followers that if he gets 5,000 followers that he'll go ahead and tell a full story which to me that sounds a little bit I don't know it sounds to me a little bit like he's trying to cash in on secrets you know from his parents and from his family that's what it sounds like to me so I don't know I mean and according to him his parents don't care according to him Brittany and Kevin really don't care what he says so (laughs) I mean they might now because it's kind of becoming a little bit too public they probably saw it at first as just you know the 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 venting of a, of a kid but now it's starting to become more public so they might have to put a lid on him very soon on that in other entertainment news looks like Lori Laughlin and the rest of the accused for that uh, college admissions scandal that's been going on for the past you know year and a half two years might catch a break because according to due documents and according to uh, to Sean Berkowitz, which is uh, which is uh, Lori Laughlin's and Massimo Giannulli's uh, attorney, it seems that Rick Singer, which is the mastermind, you know, in this whole college admission scandal thing, apparently was told by the FBI to lie to the parents uh, about whether or not they knew that they were paying bribes, which this 
prompted a lot of these parents to plead guilty, including Felicity Hoffman, that has that is, I, I you know, she's she she got uh, she got convicted and was told to serve uh, prison time. So this new. Uh, this new uh, this new bit of information might actually really screw the prosecutors. This might actually really screw them up a little bit because if any of this is true, they the the, the parents and everybody involved might have found a way to get out of this. They might have found a way to avoid any type of uh, prosecution against them. So this might actually hurt the prosecution's case. We don't know. There's still a lot to be seen. There's still a lot to uh, to figure out, and yeah, there's there's still there's still um, I don't know. There's still there's still gonna be there's still gonna be a lot to uh, to know. I mean, it, the the trial they were trying to postpone the trial. But apparently, it seems that they're not that, that even with this new information, the judge decided not to postpone it. The, the trial still goes on for Lori Laughlin and her husband. But who knows? Maybe after this new these new uh, allegations, these this new information, they might actually be able to uh, to get out of this. Who knows? Up next on the Xander Effect, I have actor Dag Farrick, and he talks to me a little bit about his experience playing young Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's rendition of Halloween, and also his experiences as the young bully in Will Smith's Hancock. But before that, here is Dovely's Ricochet, right here on the Xander Effect. Baby, are you here to stay? Show me if you feel the same And I'll ricochet So tell me I love your desires And I'll tell you my deepest secrets I want you with no constraints And I'll ricochet
So on the Xander effect, I have Dave Farrick, uh, the uh, the actor better known for, for his role, his leading role as the child on uh, on in the in Rob Zombie's Halloween, and he also played the little bully on uh, in the movie Hancock. Plus, he's done so many other like feature films, and man, you've done a lot of stuff. How you doing today, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. Had a wicked chest day today, but other than that and the soreness, I'm chilling. Nice, man. Well, doing, 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 working out always brings out, you know, a positive energy, positive reinforcement, I would imagine. Always. And these games. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, man, I got to tell you, like, your characters, those two characters that you played when you were younger, they were really scary characters. I mean, the bully was scary, but, man, playing Michael Myers, I mean, how, how did you, well, before we, before I get into asking you those questions, let me ask you, how did you get started in this industry to begin with? Oh man, that dates back maybe like 20, 21 years, uh, when I could first kind of really start like, you know, building my own ideas and talking and stuff like that. My mom would, uh, take me to church and, um, I, I'd see little church plays and mm-hmm. I realized then and there that that's, that's what I wanted to do. So I started doing, you know, church plays, which turned to Shakespeare plays, which turned to short films, which turned to independent films. And uh, seven years after I decided to start doing that, we got ourselves uh, Halloween and Hancock right after that. And then Pushing Daisies, too. Yeah, no, I saw that. I was going to actually uh, make mention of Pushing Daisies as well. How was it? How was uh, your experience on that show? Because that was a very that's well, that, a very interesting concept of a show. Yeah, no, I'm sad that it uh, dis- that they discontinued that show. But yeah. it was a fun character for me to play. Um I had two two little episodes in there. One, I was um, uh, a roulette dealer, so that was pretty badass. And the other one, I was playing saxophone, even though I don't know how to play saxophone. So that was <laughs> badass. That's awesome, though, man. But besides acting, you also started writing at a very young age as well. You started writing like a like a fifteen page script at around like eight years old. That that's that's pretty like that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. My mom definitely helped me with that one. Um, we we wrote the script, filmed it. Um, one of uh, this uh, student student that I worked for before, he helped me edit it. Um, and yeah, we got this awesome like pirate vampire dual personality disorder short film. I think it's on YouTube. It's called Duel. Wow. wow, that's pretty crazy. I mean, are you thinking about maybe making it into a feature film? Because that that definitely would sound like something that would that should become a feature film because it's very interesting. It's very unique. Yeah, you know what? I haven't really thought about that, but that would be a fun idea. My mom and I later on, like six, eight years later, wrote another, funny enough, it's like a Viking vampire story with superpower, stuff like that. But yeah, so yeah, maybe we should start pitching that. Hey, you never know, man. Like, I, like, like, you know, you know, Rob Zombie, he's, he was the director and he, you know, this sounds like it would be a movie right up his alley too. Yeah, right. Or even Quentin Tarantino. I feel like he would kill it. He recently gave me a shout out about a month ago while talking about Rob's film. He he brought me up two times in that interview. Nice. I wouldn't, you know what? I wouldn't put it past you that you, I would probably see you in a Quentin Tarantino movie because you definitely have the type of, uh, the type of persona that Quentin usually gravitates towards. Yeah, man. Hopefully I'd love to hear from him. That'd be lit. Well, that's cool. I mean, dude, most definitely, dude. That'd be fantastic. But besides that, you also, besides acting, besides writing, you also are uh, dabbling a little bit in music and hip hop. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I rap, I, I write, produce, record, mix, master, all that jazz. Been, I've been doing it shittily since I was 16, but, like, the past, like, few years, because, I mean, you know, practice makes perfect type thing. Mm-hmm. few years I've been releasing some pretty awesome hits. How did you get started in that? I mean, how did you go from acting to music? Usually, it's usually the other way around. It's usually <laughs> music and then acting. So how did you yeah, get Yeah, right. That? Well, um, you know, along with, like, uh, my acting back in the day, I, you know, I played piano for a long time, and that turned into guitar, which turned into bass, which turned into drums for a while. And then I kind of took a break from all that. And, um, you know, about the age of, like, 16, 17, I kind of started writing, like, just therapeutically, honestly, like, to make myself feel better because, you know, teenagers – are always feeling some type of way yeah so um you know that that just kind of slowly turned into rap rap has also always just been around um i was you know born and raised in you know one of the kind of more hood areas of, of san diego so it's just it's always been around i never thought i would actually be doing it you know because i was kind of just imagine myself as this dorky white kid but hey <laughs> practice makes perfect and there's no such thing as perfect so you can't stop getting better Agreed. I can agree to that. So, I mean, like, have you, like, you said that you have some hits out. What what hits do you have? Are they on YouTube or what? Yeah, most of my music's actually on all platforms. Um, I got some really cool music videos uh, on YouTube. Last year, I'd say the three best ones were Pull Yo Hair, which is a remake of Pull My Hair by Ying Yang Twins. I, I recreated oh, nice. that beat. Killed that one with my homie. Um, and then I made uh, another project called Hot AF, Hot as Fuck. It's kind of got like a West Coast Snoop Dogg, almost blue face type feel. That's also got an awesome music video. And then later in the year, last year, I made this piece called Vlad, like Vlad the Impaler. It's my first mm. vampire themed song, which is cool because, I mean, the reason my hair is long is because I saw Interview with a Vampire when I was four. And oh, I was like, great wow, movie. I want to be him, you know? Oh, so, man, that was um, a great movie too. And that music video super blessed one of the last directors i worked with with a movie that should be hopefully coming out pretty soon called i challenger he's uh paul boyd he's done music videos for goo goo dolls shania twain lionel richie dead mouse wow uh goo goo dolls yeah and more you know wow no man sounds like you have a lot on your plate uh i'd love to i did i seriously i would love to go ahead and showcase you know some of your music because you know that i play music on my show so i'd love to like maybe play some of your songs on the show yeah, sweet. My MC name is Great Deg. Um, I went with that MC name because my name, Deg, is Danish for the daytime. So mm-hmm. that's like Great Day, but it's also like Great Dane, but nice. Great Deg. Nice. Yeah. No, that's really cool, man. So I obviously I can tell that you and your mom are really close. I mean, was she in the industry as well? Um, well, she's, she's like an OG burlesque dancer, like traveled mm-hmm. the world and shit like that. Apparently she danced for Mick Jagger one time, you know, just badass in the blood. <laughs> no, that's really cool, man. And I'm sure that she definitely protected you, you know, when you were going through this, uh, through the entertainment industry, because I don't know if you've heard recently, uh, uh, Corey Feldman is coming out talking about like how he was molested as a kid and everything as a child actor. Uh, so is Corey yeah. Ham and he's like doing, putting all this stuff out there. I mean, was your mom worried about some of some like things like that happening? Because I know when, when my mom, uh, when, when I was a kid, my mom, she was always worried. Cause I, I also love yeah. acting. I always wanted to be an actor and everything. And my mom was always worried about that. Cause she would hear horror stories on the news and, and tabloids and things like that. And it turns out that it was actually true because look what Corey Feldman saying. So, I mean, how was your mom dealing with all that? I mean, she, um, 
she was she was extremely protective of me you know like i didn't i'm blessed enough to not have had to uh deal with that stuff and yeah i saw a piece of that interview the other day and it got me thinking i was like man yeah my mom my mom did a solid job at you know having a, a child actor type of thing you know because she i don't know if she knew that that was one of the dangers that were out there but she knew that there were dangers out there so you know kept a close eye on me wow and you were and you were among like big actors as well like you were in a you were in the big leagues because let, we'll talk about it hancock first you scored a 38 in uh, the star meter and that was like more than will smith and jason bateman and Charlize theron i mean that that yeah. was huge for you how, how was that like how did that make you feel i mean filming hancock was really 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 fun will smith is such a, a sweet guy i still want my rematch though you know <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, shoot, even on the red carpet for uh, the premiere, he came up to me with, you know, his family and he said, what's up, Dig?" And, you know, little like 11 or 12 year old me tried not to melt right then and there, but I probably <laughs> turned red. That's really cool, though. I mean, I would think that you would also like kind of, you know, feel some way with Charlize Theron because, oh, my God, she's like, oh. <laughs> she's like drop dead yeah, gorgeous. Beautiful. I didn't get too much of a chance to talk with her like I did. Uh, like, I think Will Smith and I played video games for a bit in between some takes. And Jason Bateman and I chopped it up for a little bit. Super down-to-earth guy. No, that's really – but that's really cool, though, man. They, they all treated you with respect and everything. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Man, I, I could only imagine how much of an honor that must have been for you to have been chosen to play – uh, the the child version of Michael Myers and the new rendition of that. How I mean, when you got that call, how did you feel about that? Uh, funny story about that, actually. Like when I got the audition, the the movie was called Untitled Rob Zombie's Halloween Project, and um, I didn't connect any of any dots. You know what I'm saying? So we actually turned down that audition a couple times oh, because. Wow. Uh, I had just done a zombie project and I thought that's kind of what the idea was. You know, they're like, Oh, you'd be this lead of a Rob zombies untitled Halloween project. And I'm like, Oh, I just played a zombie, but we <laughs> finally made it up. And it was really weird. Cause uh, all the other kids in the waiting room were like a head shorter than me and had short Brown hair. So I was like, well, I don't know if I'm what they're looking for, you know, but after uh, the first audition, like I think within a week or two, we heard back that I got it. But honestly, I'm not even like I, I get scared with with horror movies, so I wasn't I wasn't like keen to what um, Halloween was and Michael Myers mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you know, I I did my job because I love acting and stuff like that, and it was a really fun piece. I like to say it's not every day you get paid to kill people and you don't have to live with <laughs> killing anyone. Right. But, uh, it honestly took me a few appearances after doing Halloween, but you know, just because of Halloween, to realize what what an iconic piece I was blessed to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, I would imagine like at that age, you know, I mean, obviously you were, you were, you were a child at that age and you really didn't know because Halloween was an old movie. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't even born when it came out. So I mean, right. it's a, it's a really old movie. So, I mean, I, I watched it later on in life when, you know, with the, uh, when it came up on TV and stuff like that, but man, 
he, I mean, in my opinion, he did an amazing job with that movie, with, with that recreation. Uh, the new one that came out also was really good, but I don't know. Rob Zombies, I think he had something there. Like, he definitely... He definitely put a little bit of spice on that version of Halloween, in my opinion. Yeah, well, we brought it something different, you know? I mean, just like the script itself brought it itself something different than all the other Halloweens, where you, you, get, to, you get to know who, who Michael is, you know? And, and at the end of the day, you almost feel bad for him. And that's, that's always a wicked thing when you can feel bad for the, for the bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Then, you're, then you got the audience questioning themselves like who's like who do, do we feel bad for this guy i mean he's a killer yeah, for god's sake <laughs> man well besides that dude i mean seriously like you you're incredibly talented because you have done french accents german accents you speak japanese um you know i mean oh this no, is no i don't i did a lot i think in a short film and they taught me that one line i wouldn't even be able to <laughs> No, so wait, I speak French though. Oh, okay. So, so man, so you speak French, and you—I mean, from what I understand, you also can uh, do some American Sign Language as well. Oh man, you know it, it's been a while. I, I might know a couple things that Blueface throws up, but other than that, <laughs> I don't know. Wow, but still though, you know a hell of a lot more than I do. So you got you got at least four or five up on me. So I mean, there's that. Oh. So, I mean, but besides that, I mean, what, like, you know, you've been right now, you've worked on a couple of projects. Uh, what are, what are the projects that you've been working on so far? So that way the, the audience could hear. Well, um, after I took like a bit of a break to be a teenager, I, uh, I came back out in this piece called bitch party, uh, came out maybe like, uh, three, three years ago. Now that's with, um, Noel G the cholo of every movie. And, um, that's a really, that's a really good one. I thought it would hit a little better than it did, but Hey, it's still really great. Um, mm-hmm. it's about the school shootings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I thought it was like, you know, man, this is going to be a big piece, but sometimes people just don't like to, to settle into that type of stuff. But then right after that, like a year later, I did a cool little like grainy drama called mm-hmm. Josie. That one was really cool. Cause it, um, I got to work with Jack Kilmer, who's Val Kilmer's son and Sophie Turner and Dylan McDermott. Um, and other big, big names. So that was, that was a blessing for sure. Cause, um, I ended up kind of like being cool with, uh, Jack Kilmer and like, you know, getting to, to meet some of his friends. And now I can know this whole little like cool kid crew up in, you know, Hollywood that I'm, that I'm close with gotten some cool photo shoots out of it. And, you know. No, but that's really cool, though. I mean, you're still you're still continuing on with acting, but I mean, it seems that you have a few things that you're like focusing on right now besides acting. Obviously, you're focusing on music. I mean, which one are you focusing more on, or are you trying to kind of split your time between the two? Well, when I'm not working on a film, I'm working on music. Um, I love them both pretty equally for different reasons. You know, acting is really fun because I get to just do this one piece and focus on it. You know what I'm saying? And then usually there's an amazing cast and crew alongside me and it's just really good vibes and stuff like that. Where in music, it's like all me. So I get to, I get to just create these whole little worlds, you know, through, and it starts from nothing, which is really fun. Cause I, you know, I make the beat and then, you know, maybe every like, every like 10 to 15 beats one one i'm like that's my vibe that's what i want i'm gonna write 
on this, you know, and then I write to it and then I, I record to it. And then I usually end up mixing and mastering it just recently within the past couple months, finally got myself a, a music manager who's helping me with the mixing and mastering stuff. So that's awesome. But yeah, just steady grinding. So are you trying to like maybe start a record label of your own or do you already have one planned out or? I don't, I don't even know yet. You know, I mean, I'd like to kind of get signed. I think that would be cool seeing that like, um, seeing that like I do rap and produce and mm-hmm. then on top of that, you know, act and model and everything else. So like worst case scenario, when you get signed to a label is that they're going to shelf you. Well, you know, whatever shelf me as a rapper for two years, but I can still sell my beats and stuff like that. And then two years from then, you know, put out some music that I'd been working on and all the meanwhile be doing like, like two years ago, I did a music video for Blondie. You know, that was, that mm. was super cool. And then oh, also, awesome. you know, just stuff. Well, besides, I mean, like, obviously we, we know who you would like to go ahead and work with Quentin Tarantino in the mo- in the, in the film industry, music wise, who would you like to work with? Well, I would love to work with E-40. He was like my first favorite rapper. When I was young, I heard his, his songs and I was like, dude, whoever this voice is, I fuck with him. He is lit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be really cool to, to work with him. I could see myself being signed to strange music. Tech Nine's super lit, so that would be really cool. Yeah, Tech Nine's um, great. I would I would like to be signed to ten seventeen. Um, that's that's Gucci Mane's label. Mm-hmm. I don't know how likely that is just because of, you know, different styles in the rap game. He kinda got all the young flexors and stuff like that, and that's not necessarily my style of of rap you know but that would still be really cool i mean at least to work with gucci man shoot he's he's an og no doubt man no doubt so i mean have you been doing any concerts at all have you or have you just been recording videos you know i need to do more concerts but yeah i do do them here and there sometimes um like whenever i do a, a convention like uh i'll do horror conventions sometimes you know make an appearance uh, for, for my young Michael Myers performance. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll usually try to work out like a performance. I'll be like, yo, where's the VIP party? I'll perform for free. Cause I mean, like you, I'm sure you get the hint. I just love performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my manager, uh, for my music, he, uh, has me now working on an EP that he plans, uh, I should be able to tour off of. So that would be really cool. I don't know how big of a tour, but tour. Yeah, of course. No, that would be fantastic. You could go ahead and showcase your, your music to a wide, like a, a larger audience than just a local audience. So that, no, that'd be fantastic, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it seems that you have a huge future ahead of you in both movies and music. And man, I would love to go ahead and maybe someday be able to like, you know, sit down with you at a concert and, and interview you. Yeah, shoot. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> awesome man well besides that where can people go ahead and you know practice their michael myers and stalk you like where can they usually find you on social media um i keep my instagram pretty cool uh that's that you can find that by um just looking up great Deg. like my like i said my mc name it's one word um facebook uh is just Deg fair and then my music everywhere is is great Deg and um you can just, if you follow my Instagram, you'll, you'll be sure not to miss anything. 
then that's exactly then that's exactly what we're all going to do we're going to follow your instagram follow you on facebook we're just going to go ahead and follow you completely <laughs> and, yeah you know hopefully hey, you'll be okay with that yeah no i'm more than okay with that the follows really 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 help i know like you know everybody's on instagram liking pictures and stuff scroll like scroll like tiktok you know scroll like it's just as easy as that you just look up you know, whatever on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, whatever, YouTube, just look up DAEG. That's easy to find, uh, D-A-E-G. Um, but then just push that subscribe button, shoot. And, and then if you want to go the extra step, push the like button, an extra step, push the share button. That share button really helps. No doubt. No doubt. Well, man, I got to tell you, it was awesome, you know, talking with you here on the Xander Effect Day. Thank you so much for being on the show. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a blast. No doubt. Hopefully we get to see you and hear you very soon. Oh, yeah. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Rock and roll, man. Later. Thanks so much, Zig, for being on the Xander Effect. Hope to chat with you very soon. In sports, Tim Duncan decided to try the big man's chair as Greg Popovich had to uh, take a leave, a brief leave for personal reasons. Uh, Tim Duncan was left in charge of the Spurs in Greg Popovich's absence uh, as they faced the Charlotte Hornets. And they did pretty well, actually. They won by one point, 104 to 103. So this is this is actually a really good, really turnout, really good turnout for Tim Duncan. And right now, Duncan is is uh, an assistant head coach for the Spurs. So this is definitely uh, a change in pace for him. I mean, he went from player to assistant coach to, you know, being one day a uh, head coach. And many people are wondering, is he is he going to be taking over for uh, Popovich? When, when Popovich decides to retire? His answer to that was very simple. He went on to say, it's night and day to be in the big boy chair. But truth be told, I wasn't in the big boy chair. We've got Spurs assistants, Becky Hammond and Will Hardy and Mitch Johnson. Mitch prepped the game for us. Becky and Will were making all the calls and I was the only one just standing there screaming at people nonsensical stuff. So we, so we did it coached by committee and it could have been any one of us up there and we would we would have done exactly the same stuff again it was one of those things where he was very modest about it but will he actually be uh taking over for greg his his his, it was a definitive no when he said nope Pop is going to be back, and I will be happy to hand it right over to him. So it seems that Tim Duncan, he enjoyed it, but at the same time, he's not ready for to be to be a head coach of, of any team, really. Um, he's more than happy to give it back to uh, Greg Popovich and uh, let him continue to lead the Spurs. In a sense, what he said that it was coaching by committee, yes, but you got to admit, I mean, Duncan played for the Spurs for many years, and he has the experience and play calling of Popovich. He knows he knows how the game is played. He knows what plays to do. He knows the defense. He knows the offense. He knows everything. He's he's a seasoned, you know, veteran, former player. He knows it all. So in essence, it you know, yes, it must have been coaching by committee, but at the same time, he has a lot of the experience there to be able to, to handle it himself as well. On the, on the other side of the spectrum, you have James Borrego, who is the head coach of the Hornets, who used to be the assistant coach of the Spurs, and he had nothing but great things to say about uh, Duncan and the Spurs. He says he, it was kind of eerie for him, though, 
because he said, I'm used to seeing that number 21 on his jersey and see him out there leading the group. Tonight, he had a blazer on. I wouldn't be sitting here as a head coach if it wasn't for that guy. So he definitely, there's definitely, uh, you know, a lot of respect, mutual respect between the two right there. So that's, you know, that's always cool to have in these types of games anyway. In other sports news, it seems that Tahiti got approved by the IOC as the surfing venue for Paris's 2024 Olympic Games. Wow. Tahiti. Oh, man. These guys, these guys are definitely going to have a good time. And that's going to be really cool. In uh, in a tweet by Paris, uh, I, at Paris 2024, it said, it, it was in French, but it was translated, and it said, one more step, IOC approves both Teopuco Te, Te in Tahiti for surfing and Concorde for urban sports for, Par- for hashtag Paris 2024 games. Two iconic sites to give athletes and spectators spectacular com- uh competitions as we all know the olympic committee had has just approved surfing as a sport to be a part of the olympics so that has a lot of uh a lot of uh, surfers incredibly happy because this is something that many people, uh, many surfers, many, many surfer enthusiasts have been fighting for for a long time. Surfing has always had their own competitions. They have always had their own, uh, you know, with their competitions in Portugal, Hawaii and various other places. But it, it was never really recognized by the Olympic Committee until just recently. And that has many people very happy, very, very enthousi- enthusiastic about what What's coming for the following Olympics, including myself. I'm actually curious to see how they're going to judge it, how they're going to score it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm curious to see what what athletic abilities some of these surfers are going to have, what kind of tricks they're going to have in order to really impress the judges uh, for in the Olympics. In other sports news, Chuck Liddell has made it official. He went on TMZ and officially announced his retirement from the sport of MMA. That makes no sense because he's been actually out of the sport of MMA for many years. But, I mean, he he dabbles in it every once in a while. He comes back every once in a while. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he, he was forced to retire back in 2010 by Dana White after losing five of his six matches, and four of those were via knockout. So it was one of those things where it was time for him to hang up his gloves, and then he came back and faced former rival Tito Ortiz in uh, Golden Boy Promotions' like debut for MMA sports, and he got knocked out by Ortiz. So there's just there's just so many things that 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 gone, have gone wrong for M- MMA for Liddell. And don't get me wrong, I love Liddell, man. I I'm a huge Iceman fan. I loved his 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 fights back in the day. He was he always brought excitement, intensity. Everything was always really cool. But there comes a time where you need to say, you know, that's it. You know, you have no more in the tank. Time to, like, let it go and move on. Well, that's not so much the case for him. (laughs) Because apparently it seems that Liddell may be hanging up his gloves for the octagon, but lacing up his boots for the squared circle. He went ahead and actually, um, you know, expressed his, uh, his, his interest in possibly wrestling professionally for the WWE. Now this this actually may 
not be that much of a surprise scene as a lot of former UFC fighters, MMA fighters, have been making the transition over to the WWE, most notably with Ronda Rousey. Well, even before that, most notably with uh, with uh, Brock Lesnar. But Brock Lesnar started in, w- in the WWE, then he crossed over to the UFC, then he came back to the WWE, and he still keeps on going back and forth between the two. But like to cross over straight from the UFC to the WWE, Ronda Rousey is most notably the one that did so, along with um, you know, along with Cain Velasquez, you know, followed Shayna Baszler, also followed Matt Riddle, also is in the WWE. They all came from the UFC. So it's no surprise that Liddell is also looking in that direction as well, seeing as he still has the competitive bug. Even at 50 years old, he still wants to compete. Not to mention, I mean, but it, it just seems like too much of a coincidence because there were reports that Tito Ortiz was recently seen at the WWE's Performance Center in Orlando. And uh, it seems that they were kind of feel like, uh, I, I, you know, they were kind of feeling each other out, the WWE and Ortiz, to see if they were a right fit. Nobody really knows what came out of that, but it just seems like a, a coincidence that shortly like after that, it seems like the Dell suddenly has the itch to go and check out what the WWE has to offer. And he basically said, you know, in the interview, he said, I still do WWE. I still do pro wrestling. That would be a lot of fun, actually. I'd like that. I'm impressed by the stuff that those guys do. They do some crazy stuff. So he's definitely open to to doing something with the World Wrestling Entertainment. And I'm sure that the WWE heard this, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chuck Liddell in the squared circle in the very near future. What would be really cool is if Tito Ortiz made his debut first, became a bad guy, became a heel, and suddenly Liddell comes out of nowhere to challenge him, you know, and say, you know what? I beat you twice. I lost once, but I know I could beat you here in the squared circle in wrestling. That would actually be pretty cool to watch. I I, got to admit, that would be something that would be very entertaining to a lot of Ortiz and Liddell fans, especially with that rivalry. They would really like that. I know I'd be one of them that I would really love to see something like that happen. So who knows? WWE has a lot to think about and has a lot of room to think upon it. Up next in video game news, what 90s handheld game has been introduced into Call of Duty? Stay tuned and find out. But first, here's Dirty Machines Party in the USA, right here on the Xander Effect. A dream in my cardigan Welcome to the land of fame Excess Am I gonna fit in? What? Jumped in the cab Here I am for the first time Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign This is all so crazy Everybody seems so famous My tummy's turning and I'm feeling kinda homesick Too much pressure and I'm nervous This when the taxi man's on the radio And the Jay-Z song is on And the Jay-Z song is on and the Jay-Z song was on So I put my hands up and play in my song And the butterflies fly away Not in my head like yeah Oh, in my hips like yeah Got my hands up and play in my song You're gonna be okay Yeah, yeah It's a party in the USA Yeah, yeah It's a party in the USA 
Dirty Machines Party in the USA right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, it seems like Tamagotchi is back. I actually I actually uh, used to call it uh, Digipet or uh, or uh, God, it was it was it was a crazy name that they had. It was back in the 90s, back in uh, the the game came out in 1996 where a lot of kids could go ahead and purchase this little pocket pet. That was another name we called it. It was a pocket pet. And you would have to feed it. You would have to feed it, take care of it. It was it was a very interesting game, and I always saw people. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my schoolmates were always playing with this damn thing. Uh, then there came the knockoffs. You know, it was there was various uh, various pets, but it was it was crazy. A lot of people had this little pet, and it seems that uh, Activision decided to include this pet in uh, the characters of Modern Warfare, of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and they're adding this to the game within the game. So basically what they're doing is that within the game, in the middle of a battle, uh, you can activate this uh, Tamagotchi, and what you do is, is that it's, it, start, it hatches from an egg, and it could either be a cat, a panda, or a dragon. And you, it, just like in real life, just like the, you know, the kids used to do back in the 90s, uh, the character in Modern Warfare has to, you know, in between, I guess, in between matches, they have to look at their wristwatch and make sure that their pet is okay. They have to feed it. They have to check their emotional state or else uh, the, the pet will die. Um, and if they take care of it, it will evolve. So... I don't understand why in the world they added this uh, within the game, but it's a really it's a really interesting little addition uh, in the middle of a firefight. I mean, would this happen in real life? Probably not. I think I think uh, the soldier himself would want to live rather than think about his uh, Tamagotchi, uh, you know, his Tamagotchi's uh, well-being. So that's going to be kind of interesting uh, to play with uh, in the middle of a battle on Modern Warfare. That's it for the Xander Effect. Join me next time as I have the CEO of a company called uh, a Reboot. They are 
They are a uh, a wellness center that ver- that. Uh, focuses on uh, rehabilitation of addiction. They're an addiction center, so uh, they help out a lot of people. And it's a very interesting conversation that I have with one of the CEOs and vice presidents, so you might want to go ahead and stay tuned for that. That's the news. In case you haven't heard it, we'll talk to you next time. Live it up. Be Taylor. Flow rider. Live it up. The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., BMG, and Sony Music The Orchard in association with Art19 Media.